It's a new day and opportunity is in the air. This is Philip with Soul Insights and you are tuned in to Good Morning Market, where small businesses are empowered to lead their market with the latest in market news, insights, and strategy. Well, the hotly debated big infrastructure bill is headed to President Biden's desk this week following its approval in Congress. So it begs two questions. Number one, what's in it? And number two, what's in it for my business? We'll answer both in today's edition of Good Morning Market. So grab your coffee and let's first cover the market roundup. Headline from Associated Press, heavy burden for consumers as holidays near, soaring prices. A worsening surge of inflation for such bedrock necessities as food, rent, autos, and heating oil is setting Americans up for a financially difficult Thanksgiving and holiday shopping season. Prices for U.S. consumers jumped 6.2% in October compared with a year earlier, leaving families facing their highest inflation rate since 1990. The Labor Department said Wednesday, from September to October, prices jumped 0.9%. Also from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Americans are making less money year over year when factoring in consumer prices. Real average hourly earnings decreased 1.2%, seasonally adjusted from October 2020 to October 2021. The change in real average hourly earnings, combined with a decrease in 0.3% in the average work week, resulted in a 1.6% decrease in real average weekly earnings over this period. From National Federation of Independent Businesses, optimism amongst U.S. small business owners waned slightly in October as short-term economic expectations worsened, according to a survey compiled by the National Federation of Independent Businesses, related, released Tuesday. Also from the October survey, expectations for business conditions over the next six months deteriorated again, with the sub-index falling four points. Around 39% of the respondents reported that recent supply-related bottlenecks have had a significant impact on their businesses. Also from that same October survey, price-raising activity among small businesses has reached levels not seen since the early 80s, the NFIB said. The net percentage of owners raising average selling prices increased 7 points to 53% in October, with price increases being more frequent in the wholesale, retail, and construction sectors. Finally, from CNBC, the National Retail Federation projects sales between November and December will rise between 8.5% and 10.5% for a total of between uh, $843.4 billion and $859 billion. The projection tops last year's numbers and would mark a new all-time high. And that is your market roundup for this week. Okay, so let's talk about the the big infrastructure bill, and let's talk about what it means for small and mid-sized businesses. The title, by the way, and I know it's called like the Biden Infrastructure Bill. It's been called a bunch of things. The official name of it is the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Just in case you're you're curious, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Why did I want to talk about this? I wanted to talk about it because it's been the big. But a big push, if not one of the two big pushes for 
Joe Biden, um, in terms of through Congress, big spending packages. Uh, the other one would be the quote unquote build back better super alliteration bill, the reconciliation bill, what, whatever you want to call it. That's still being debated. And there was, uh, you know, talk within the, the Democrat coalition about whether or not that's a package deal or if it's all or nothing. But, um, Regardless, you know, it's been passed in Congress. It's going to President Biden's desk this week to get official. And it is, you know, a, a huge, um, you know, legislative action for this year. And it may be the largest we're going to see during President Biden's term. And there's been much ado about it um, and how it's going to affect businesses, how it's going to affect the country. You even had talk about doing a similar infrastructure bill or some kind of infrastructure bill during the you know the Trump administration. It never went anywhere. But uh, President Trump, if some people recall, talked a lot about doing an infrastructure bill. So, you know, it is a significant amount of spending, Congress action and spending. Um, it begs the question is, you know, What's in it? What are my tax dollars being used for? And as small businesses, when we're thinking about economic impact, the impact on small businesses and related strategy, what do we need to know about it from that standpoint? You know, how is it going to help us? How is it going to hurt us? Uh, is it going to do either of those? So that's why I wanted to cover that today, just to kind of preface it. Um, let's talk some stats on spending. So let's cover first what is in the bill. So the advertised price tag for y'all, it's $1.2 trillion price tag as advertised, I'll say. Okay, you know, there's always what Washington says, and then there's what it actually costs in real time. But the advertised price tag is $1.2 trillion. So I've got two sources that have a nice breakdown. I wanted to break down the different categories. Infrastructure is kind of a broad term. It captures a lot of stuff under that umbrella. And there's a lot of categories getting addressed within that $1.2 trillion. So my first source is the Brookings Institute. They do a lot of analysis on such things. So here's their cost breakdown, and then I'll go a little bit more granular from the National Law Review. So first, with the Brookings Institute breakdown, the biggest category would be 283 almost $284 billion on called transportation, kind of that category. This would include roads, bridges, major projects, passenger and freight rail public transport, uh, transit, airports, ports and airways, safety and research, low carbon and zero emissions, school buses and ferries, electric vehicle charging, reconnecting communities, they say, quote unquote, you know, a lot of different things under that transportation, but that is the biggest spending category. You want to know the main thing going into this infrastructure bill is going to be transportation related projects and re restoration initiatives. So then let's go into uh, some of the other leading categories. $65 billion on broadband expansion. Um, they say on rural or, and underserved communities, I believe, is the emphasis there. Another $65 billion on the category of power and grid. Um, $55 billion on water. Uh, $47.2 billion on resiliency initiatives. $21 billion on legacy pollution. And $8.3 billion on western water. I'm guessing they're meaning uh, places like California and Arizona. Obviously, we know that they're having increasing um, water shortages. I know that people over in Arizona are, are dealing with that, especially with the Colorado River and whatnot. So I didn't look at the details of the bill. The bill's, you know, like any good Congress bills, thousands of pages. But uh, I believe it's going to address some areas over in the west like that. $8.3 billion for that. So let's go a little bit more granular. Some of you may like the stuff, some of you may not, but hey, it's your tax dollar, so I figured you might want to know. Um, let's go to the National Law Review. They have a category breakdown. So 
Um, on an annual basis, these projects included will, will, will increase spending beyond what was already being spent on quote-unquote infrastructure through the, the trust that was in place for those kind of initiatives. We're bumping that that uh, investment uh, $550 billion in new spending. So let's go to the National Law Review Breakdown. Roads, Bridges, Major Projects, $110 billion, funds new dedicated grant program to replace and repair bridges and increases funding for the major project competitive grant programs, preserves the 90-10 split of federal highway aid to states. States are going to be very involved in this and the execution of this bill, by the way. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more. Uh, passenger and freight rail, $66 billion, provides targeted funding for the Amtrak National Network for new service and dedicated funding to address repair backlogs, increases funding for freight rail and safety. Let's go to the third category, safety and research. What the heck is safety and research? That's $11 billion right there. Well, it says addresses highway, pedestrian, pipeline, and other Safety areas such as highway safety accounts for the bulk of this funding. Um, we're going to go into public transit next, $39.2 billion. It funds the nation's transit system repair backlog, which includes buses, rail cars, transit stations, tracks, signal, and power system. This allocation also includes money to create new bus routes and increase accessibility to public transit for those with physical mobility challenges. We got the $65 billion towards broadband. There's been a lot of talk about that as we are having this mass migration of people and and more people are working remote broadband's been a hot topic for years now but especially now well that 65 billion dollars what is it going to do it's going to fund grants to states for broadband deployment and other efforts to address access issues in rural areas like i said in the low-income communities it's going to expand eligible private activity bond projects to include broadband infrastructure Airports, yeah, you probably thought that was going to be in the infrastructure bill. We got $25 billion of your tax dollars going there. Increases airport improvement grant amounts for runways, gates, and taxiways, and authorizes a new airport terminal improvement program. That sounds fancy. All right, let's go into the next category, ports and waterways, 17.4B. Provides funding for waterway and coastal infrastructure, inland waterway improvements, port infrastructure, and land ports of entry through the Army Corps, DOT, Coast Guard, the GSA, DHS. I know that's especially of interest to us coastal folk, for example, us in the coastal empire of Georgia. Now let's go into water infrastructure. we got $54 billion price tag on that. Provides a $15 billion for lead service line replacement. Oh, sorry. Provides $15 billion for lead service line replacement and $10 billion to address PFAS and water in addition to other items. <clears throat> We're going to be redoing a lot of the piping, I guess, uh, in our national water infrastructure. $15 billion for that and pipeline replacement, another $10 um, for PFAS and water. Uh, and then we get the power in the grid. Okay, um, I know that, um, you know, between the power in the grid and the resiliency, if some people remember what happened earlier this year with the uh, the uh, the oil uh, uh, cybercrime attack from Russia um, that affected a lot of the southeast in terms of oil supply. I wonder if some of it's going to address that. Well, let's see. Uh, $65 billion for power in the grid investment funds grid reliability and resiliency projects and support for a grid development authority. 
Got another uh, ABC alphabet soup uh, bureaucracy coming our way. Critical minerals and supply chains for clean energy technology. Key technologies like carbon capture, hydrogen, direct air capture, and energy efficiency. And energy demonstration projects from the Bipartisan Energy Act of 2020. Resiliency, $46 billion. Fund cybersecurity, okay, that's more to what I was speaking about. Fund cybersecurity projects to address critical infrastructure needs, flood mitigation, wildfire, wildfire, drought, coastal resiliency, waste management, ecosystem restoration, and weatherization. So some of those are related to national security concerns. Some of them are related to supply chain. Some of them are related to uh, energy efficiency. Some of it's going to be related to under the climate change umbrella, as they would say. Um, and we got the last four categories here, low carbon and zero emission school buses and ferries. How about that? $7.5 billion. It funds and authorizes the adoption of low carbon and zero emission school buses, including through hydrogen. Okay, ain't seen hydrogen hydrogen cars in a minute, propane, LNG, compressed natural gas, biofuel, well, biodiesel would be kind of cool, and electric technologies. Hey, Tesla school buses coming your way. Provides support for a pilot program for low-emission ferries and rural ferry systems. Okay. Uh, electric vehicle charging stations, that's $7.5 billion. It funds alternative fuel corridors and a national build-out of electric vehicle charging infrastructure. The federal funding will have a particular focus on rural and or disadvantaged communities, much like the broadband expansion. Reconnecting communities, not sure what that means. Let's find out. $1 billion is going there. Provides dedicated funding for planning, design, demolition, and reconstruction of street grids, parks, and other infrastructure. Funding is especially targeted at infrastructure, which is deteriorating due to age. Restoration projects, I suppose. And then the final category out of this $1.2 trillion, $550 billion in additional spending every single year. We got $21 billion for addressing legacy pollution. Funds to clean up brownfields and Superfund sites, reclaim abandoned mine lands, and plug orphan oil and gas wells, improving public health and creating good-paying jobs. Well, if you haven't fallen asleep, that's the rundown. But hey, once again, this $1.2 trillion of your tax dollars and my tax dollars, I figured you'd want to know. Also, one thing I checked on uh, Congress's website, congress.gov, one other fun thing that's not, money's not going to it, but it's... Uh, they're starting to do some homework <clears throat> on a potential additional tax for you. Uh, it directs – this is verbatim from the Congress website. It directs the Department of Transportation to establish a pilot program to demonstrate a national motor vehicle per-mile user fee to restore and maintain the long-term solvency of the Highway Trust Fund and achieve and maintain a state of good repair in the surface transportation system, end quote – Basically, they're going to have DOT go establish a pilot program to see what it would look like if every American driver had to pay a per-mile tax. So you'd get taxed per mile you drive your car, and they would use that as a funding mechanism for the Highway Trust Fund to fund their stuff and repair projects and whatnot. So, and that would be interesting right there. Let's talk one more, you know, since we're talking numbers about um, what this entails in terms of the price tag, uh, you know, originally it was going to be bigger, but it got whittled down from, 
not so much Republicans, but just, you know, other parts of the Democratic caucus who didn't want a bigger price tag. Um, according to Forbes, uh, we're looking at an, an addition to the deficit of $256 billion. That's how much the Congressional Budget Office estimates the infrastructure bill could add to the nation's budget deficit over the next 10 years. At a less alarming $25.6 billion a year, my apologies, so $256 billion over 10 years, you know, aka uh, $25.6 billion a year, meaning nearly half of the package's proposed new spending could end up tacked on to the nation's $29 trillion debt load. So um, what would be spending per year? About half of the new spending uh, could end up tacking on to our already $29 trillion debt load, which, by the way, for anybody who's keeping track at home of the score, we're at the near, uh, near the highest level of debt as a percentage of GDP gross domestic product since right after World War II. Uh, so uh, gross domestic product, and for those who don't know how much wealth and production we're generating, and then you look at um, our annual GDP. It's like the the, the main um, stat for tracking the na- nation's economic performance. And then we look at debt to GDP ratio. It's what a lot of economists keep track of. We'd be at our highest level of debt to GDP, uh, close to right now where we are uh, to World War II. So that is something you have to keep an eye on, right? None of this stuff is free money, although sometimes uh, some people think it is. Um, And that's what the price tag is, and that's what we're going to be spending on. So now you know what's in the infrastructure package. One other thought for y'all. This is not from me. This is from people who are looking at it, and this is also from people who wrote the bill and are proposing it. This is not some stimulus package. Okay, point blank. You know, there's not being advertised as a stimulus uh, stimulus package. It's not some short term jolt to the economy. That was done through other means this year and last year. American Rescue Plan, whatever you want to call it. This infrastructure bill is a long term vision kind of bill. What the proponents of the bill say over in Washington, D.C., is that it's it's about the long-term health of the country, and it's about a competitiveness, a competitiveness from, a, from an international global marketplace standpoint as well. Long-term growth capacity through a major investment in infrastructure, sustainability, grid, and resiliency. That's what they've been saying. That's what they're going to say now that it's approved and it's going to the president's desk. Uh, if you look at just how the way that these construction prog- uh, projects work, and we've seen it happen in the past. I mean, you get a lot of moving parts. Uh, it's not just the federal government and the DOT doing their own thing. They got to work with uh, state and local governments. Uh, and a lot of this stuff is going to be run through the state and the local governments. You know, they're going to be doing bids, uh, getting contractors in place, and obviously a lot of these things, whether it be a restoration project or be laying down new broadband cable or be you know setting up a bajillion you know uh, electric car charging stations all this stuff takes time so we're really not going to see the impact anytime within the next few years i mean frankly we won't see it during this president's term in 2024 we probably won't even see a lot of these projects being started it's just going to take a while but it's in law so um you know 
you know, what they're saying and what we should be expecting is that a lot of the effects of this will be felt, you know, maybe end of the decade, 2030s especially. It's a long-term vision thing. This is this is a long-view investment, not a short-view investment. So with that being said, I, I did have a couple thoughts, and this is me sharing my opinion. You don't have to, you know, take it for what you will. Um, two questions that come up to me uh, about the infrastructure bill would be purview would be number one. Uh, some of this is definitely the purview of the federal government. <clears throat> I'm still a proponent of federalism, although, although you know, uh, not as people are in, uh, as into this anymore. But hey, um, we got a federal government, and we also have state, and we have local governments, and different initiatives and responsibilities go to different wings because you know you want to make it as. Uh, a tailor fit to the constituents and we're not all the same and we don't have all the same needs and you want to maintain as much accountability as possible. So you look at some of the state initiatives that were already going on for broadband expansion. I know that uh, you know, in Georgia, for example, uh, the Governor Kemp had, had already been investing quite a, a lot of allocating funds into rural broadband expansion. Um, but you know the federal government's going to have you know significant funds. I think it was a sixty-five billion dollars. Did I say into broadband expansion? Hey, I remembered it. Um, that's one point. And then electric vehicle stations, electric school buses. That sounds more like local government funding, but the federal government stepping in. So we're using you know printing currency, I suppose, um, and then federal tax dollars to address some of this stuff. You know, some of it definitely sounds right up the federal government's alley, and it's, you know, it's a major expansion beyond what we were doing with existing trust fund and infrastructure uh, investments through DOT. Now we're really upping the ante uh, to make our country more competitive in the long term, at least that's what the, the, the pitch is. The other question I had as I'm working through this, and I really won't know whether it was a great thing or a or bad thing until years down the road like y'all one of the things is the timing uh is now the time it's not a matter of if but when perhaps uh we're spending historical levels historic levels as i said for y'all before and historic percentages of gdp we're not seen since world war ii uh, if you look at our uh, our annual deficits or our total debt, I mean, we are spending well beyond what we were already spending during previous administrations, pre-pandemic, and that was already at historic levels. Um, it is a bit concerning because, you know, the pitch is like, hey, we need this, and, and we probably do need this. Do we need it now with the, how fragile the economy seems to, seems to be with uh, the workplace, workforce participation rate, with – uh, inflationary pressures with how much we spent. We spent, I think it was like $8 trillion last year to, to just to inject cash into the economy to address the shutdown of the entire nation. And we're doing much of the same stuff this year. You know, it just seems like we don't have enough funds. It'd be like, you know, you're swimming in credit card debt and you're having trouble getting the bills paid, but you see that your your piping in your house and your roof is old and dilapidated and your AC system is kind of croaking on its last leg. So it's time to do a house infrastructure investment of, you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, well, those things need to be done, but do they need to be done in the present state? Two questions. It's not really a right or wrong answer, I suppose, but um, those are two things that, that, that pop up to me as this goes to the president's desk as a small business owner. So then comes the next part. Okay, well, it is. You know, the, 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 the ink is drying uh, and it's a done deal. Uh, does it help small businesses? My personal opinion is, and I think y'all would probably say the same thing, is as a general rule, no. 
at least not within the next four to five years. Once again, we won't probably won't see the effects of any of these projects until the end of the decade. Um, down the road, if it works as advertised, uh, we should have, okay, if it works as advertised, a much stronger transportation system, okay, makes the whole nation, big nation, more interconnected. We have a lot more populations moving across state to state from uh, metro to rural, uh, so that could be good, and we'd have better water systems, okay, everybody wants clean drinking water, okay, we all heard about the the debacle, at least in the press, that was Flint, Michigan, uh, better cybersecurity, our cybersecurity grid is vulnerable, I think that, you know, what we saw with the, uh, the oil hack earlier this year uh, demonstrates that we have some serious cybersecurity vulnerabilities, and energy resiliency, I'm all about energy resiliency, diversity, uh, and and efficiency. So, okay, that's good. And we should have more prevalent broadband access in underserved areas, which is where a lot of that $65 billion is going to go. Those are all good things. Uh, me personally, much of the bill does make sense. You know, it's really hard to pick apart, you know, the, a lot of the priorities of the infrastructure bills. Like, hey, you know, this is stuff that does need to get done from time to time. Uh, some of it I don't think should be done by the federal government, but hey, um, it does need to get done. Uh, most of what I'm looking for right now in terms of priority for Washington, D.C. is to get out of the way of small and medium-sized businesses so we can recover in the short term. I mean, now most of us right now, you know, we're hearing all this stuff. Okay, this stuff isn't going to affect me for years and years and years. I'm thinking about staffing issues. I'm thinking about uh, the pandemic, perhaps. I'm thinking about inflation. I'm thinking about all these things, and this is not going to address that. Uh, but you know, Washington is you know it affects everything that we do, right? And and there's a lot of ways in which they have affected that, good or bad, in the short term. Uh, you know, they're not going to simply get out of the way. This this administration is pretty active in terms of regulation and spending. They're debating right now a potential $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill right now, the one called Build Back Better, completely different bill. And they keep pumping newly printed dollars in the economy and budget without the commensurate additional production. So that's my concern. Um, you print the dollars, but if not, it's not backed by or doesn't represent additional productivity. I'm not sure why we're printing the dollars. My concern is that everyday businesses will suffer through the next many years as a result of the additional inflationary impacts. Because once again, what did the uh, con Congressional Budget Office say? This isn't my word. This is Congressional Budget Office. Another $25.6 billion annual increase to the deficit, which means half of the spending is going to increase more to the deficit. How do you get inflation? It is purely a monetary phenomenon that has delayed effects. Okay, It's not from me. That's from some of the most famous economists of all time. It's about how much money is the government printing, how much money is the government spending. So this is a big price tag, $1.2 trillion. Just, you know, um, if the Build Back Better, as it were, bill were passed, then you would have the most spending on infrastructure since World War, since the New Deal, actually. So that's what we're looking at um, right now. Um, not going to see any effects until later in the decade. I don't really think it affects us, um, small and mid-sized businesses, good, bad, or indifferent in the short term. In the long term, if things work out, yeah. I mean, I think that we could all stand from a more stable, stronger, interconnected 
resilient national infrastructure. That's something we all need to have to maintain long-term competitiveness, which is the goal of the bill. Um, in the short term, I'm very worried about because we don't have the money that the inflationary pressures will just continue to compound. Uh, that was one, two trillion dollars we didn't have sent in the bank, if y'all didn't notice. Um, but this is in terms of what Congress is going to do. My my hunch, just seeing how these things tend to play out, is 2021. This is the first year of the of the Biden administration. I think this is the biggest action we'll see coming through Congress in terms of major economic impact uh, under the influence of Joe Biden, probably through the rest of his first term. And I think that because a lot of attention will turn towards the election next year, this was kind of his honeymoon year, as it were, first year. He had both chambers, uh, the House and the Senate. He could, you know, relatively speaking, do what he wanted to do. Um, I think the infrastructure bill was kind of the climax of the legislative initiatives in terms of economic bills. I think this is likely going to be his signature bill. I personally don't know that the Build Back Better bill is going to going to pass, although we'll break that down if that were to happen. This is the signature bill. It has a more long-term view. It doesn't address the short-term crisis. That's getting addressed through the Federal Reserve and other ways, whether it's horrible or good, whatever. This is not the purview of this bill. This is a long-term Um and um, if you want to see what the Biden impact on the economy is in terms of signature spending, I think this is it. And we just won't feel the effects during this uh, the, the term of his administration. We would see it during a second term, perhaps. But um, that's the way I'm seeing the bill right now, kind of indifferent towards business, small businesses. Uh, this is an action. This is the law of the land. This is this money is going to get spent. Um, you know, late in this decade, next decade, we'll start to see hopefully a stronger infrastructure. So, if the money's going to get spent, I hope it gets spent well and effectively, and that we get some some good out of it. We get some ROI. Um, so that covers today's episode. And as we wrap up, um, if you could, if you if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy Good Morning Market, if you find it valuable, please leave a review. Uh, preferably a good one, but hey, leave a review, share the podcast with colleagues, people you think would, would value it. If you have any questions that you'd like to reach out to me directly, uh, be it to leave a comment, feedback, suggest someone who'd be a good interview for the program, I'm always looking for those. Email me directly, info at soulinsights.com. That's S-O-L-I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. Reach me directly. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, looking to grow the network. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Philip Scroggin. You can subscribe to the Good Morning Market newsletter if you'd like to get uh, more in-depth and direct sources um, to the articles that I cite. I send those every Friday. You can find that on soulinsights.com if you'd like to get the weekly newsletter. And I have a special announcement. Drum roll. Do your own drum roll in your car, wherever you are. So in celebration of the podcast launching, I want to celebrate with y'all who are in the Savannah area, for example, to uh, get to know y'all, to network, to celebrate the launching of it and trying to really gin up um, more reviews and people sharing, getting this podcast going. So in celebrating that on Friday, December 17th, we're going to be celebrating the launch of the Good Morning Market podcast at Ghost Coast Distillery in Savannah. For those who know Savannah, they know Ghost Coast Distillery great place gonna have some live jazz music gonna have great cocktails conversation we'll be doing some raffle giveaways for those who review the pond so you gotta review it okay go review it now i'll check it and um then you'll get entered into some raffles which is cool so please review and come join us on december 17th ghost coast and please remember in order to lead your market you must first hear and know your market